Good morning, everybody. It is May 3rd. I'm joining here on Facebook Live. Um, this morning, I want to share with you a sermon from Malachi chapter 2. But before we get to Malachi chapter 2, I do want to share some words from Psalm 91. I, I know this. these are some words that have been shared over and over, and I read them uh, yesterday. I came across them again this morning. And I wanted to share some words from Psalm 91, which hopefully will be an encouragement to some this morning. God's word says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. I want to jump down into verse 9 of that same chapter. And in my Bible, I have the word if circled. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. And if you get down further, even into verse 14, because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Uh, and reading through Psalm 91, and hopefully if you read through those words in Psalm 91, it is an encouragement to you over and over during the times that we are in. Don't miss verse 9. Verse 9 tells us, If, if you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you, no disaster will come near your tent. Uh, when we look at God's promises and go through God's promises throughout the scripture, almost all of them come with a condition and then they come with a promise. And so you have a condition that becomes our responsibility to fulfill and then you have a promise that God will deliver on. And so in Psalm 91, God will be there. God will put a hedge of protection around us. God will continue to be there for us. But he also asks us to call on the name of the Lord. And we call on the name of the Lord to be saved. And it goes back to like Proverbs 3. If you trust the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, acknowledge him. He will make your path straight. Okay, I want God to make my path straight. But do I want to trust the Lord my God with all my, you know, trust in the Lord with all, <laughs> trust in the Lord with all his understanding in all his ways. And so if I acknowledge the Lord in all that he is doing, and I'm trusting in him with all of my decisions, then the Lord is making my path straight. And so again, we have a condition with a promise following on it. So trust in God, uh, trust in God that he will keep you safe, trust in God that he will be your refuge, he will be your fortress, he will be the one that you put your trust in and that you rely on. Let's, let's join together in a word of prayer, and then we'll look to God's word this morning allow him to minister to us. Heavenly Father, we focus on you this morning. Uh, today is the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what is going on, whether I'm on the mountain, whether I'm in the valley, whether I'm in a peaceful time or I'm in the middle of a storm of, a lo of life, Lord, it's the day that you have made and I will rejoice and be glad in it. I will give you thanks in all circumstances. In all things, I will find myself giving you thanks. So I thank you, Lord, for this day. 
I thank you for the day that we can focus on you, a day that we can relax, a day that we can recharge our batteries, and to allow you to speak to us, to allow you to be the one who fills us with your Holy Spirit, to strengthen us for the battle that is ahead of us. I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom that you pour out on us. You are a great and awesome God. You're the one that we love and the one that we serve and the one that we seek after. And may we find ourselves each and every day seeking after you, chasing you with everything that we have and discovering how wonderful, how wonderful and great you are. Lord, we ask for your continued hedge of protection around, around us, around our loved ones, around our families, our, our children, our grandchildren, our neighbors. Lord, we ask for you to give us the wisdom on how this COVID-19, this coronavirus passes away and, and, and disappears. Lord, we need to find ourselves seeking you and calling out on your name. And may we all find ourselves, may we all find ourselves making you our most high God, that you are the one that we run to. You are the strong tower that we run to and we will be safe. Thank you, Lord, for the words that we have in Malachi chapter two the words that we can look at this morning and have an understanding of who you are and what you continue to call us to be. Again, you're a great God and we love you this morning. We love you each and every day. Continue to minister to our spirits. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, when I do post my video onto uh, Facebook and, and get that all uploaded so everybody can see, I'll also be uploading a video a worship song for us to enjoy. And so I do ask that you go and uh, track that down, look it up, and be able to worship God uh, through some song this morning as well. And I thank you, Tom, for putting that together at the last minute for me. And I'll get that uploaded as soon as we are done this morning. Uh, this morning, I want you to turn to Malachi chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible in front of you, uh, feel free to listen along or, or look it up on the internet. Uh, go to a website, uh, BibleGateway.com. If you ever want to look up the Bible, BibleGateway.com. And there's also a lot of wonderful apps that you can download to your phone as well and look at the Bible in many different translations. Uh, this morning, I'm going to be reading from my Bible from Malachi chapter 2. God's Word says, And now, this admonition is for you, O priest. If you do not listen, and if you do not set your heart to honor my name, says the Lord Almighty, I will send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yes, I have already cursed them, because you have not set your heart to honor me. Because of you, I will rebuke your descendants. I will spread on your faces the offal from your festival sacrifices, and you will be carried off with it. And you will know that I have sent you this admonition, so that my covenant with Levi may continue, says the Lord Almighty. My covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace I gave them to him. This called for reverence, and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth, and nothing false was found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, and from his mouth men should seek instruction, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty. But you have turned away, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi, says the Lord Almighty. So I have caused you to be despised and humiliated before all the people because you have not followed my ways, but have shown partiality in matters of the law. 
And continuing in verse 10, Have we not all one Father? Did not one God create us? Why do we profane the covenant of our fathers, the breaking faith with one another? Judah has broken faith. A detestable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying the daughter of a foreign god. As for the man who does this, whoever he may be, may the Lord cut him off from the tents of Jacob, even though he brings offerings to the Lord Almighty. Another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he, is no, he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why? Is it because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth? Because you have broken faith with her, though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant, has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit they are his? And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel, and I hate a man's covering himself with violence as well as with his garment, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, all who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? I know that is a pretty long passage of Scripture, and I thank you for uh, bearing with me as I, I walked through that and read through that. But as we go through these words of Malachi and continue with this prophecy, I think it's important for us to capture everything that Malachi is saying and understand how this is going to apply to our lives. There was a song back in 1970 by the Five Man Electrical Band. Um, most of us uh, probably don't know who, know who the Five Man Electrical Band is, but when I start sharing the words of the song, you'll probably recognize it. Sign, sign, everywhere a sign, blocking out the scenery, breaking my mind. Do this, don't do that. Can't you read the sign? So now you know, 1970, the five-man electrical band, all about signs. Um, interesting part, I'll share something personal. In my house, uh, there are some signs. Um, at one point, I ended up being a, an interesting collector of some traffic signs and, so, and, and a traffic light. Uh, so I never realized how big a traffic light was until I actually bought one and have it hanging in my basement. Uh, but I have a, a traffic light, uh, a parking meter, I have speed limit signs, a huge stop sign, a boat loading sign, a turnpike sign. Uh, I don't know how I came a, a, across all of these signs over time, but I have all kinds of signs. But what's interesting about those signs are they're hanging in my house and they're pretty much meaningless. Uh, they're there, but having a speed limit sign of 25 miles per hour hanging in my basement doesn't keep anybody going 25 miles per hour down the road in front of my house. Uh, signs are there for a purpose, to accomplish something. And I don't think anybody would appreciate the fact if I took my traffic light and sat it out by the side of the road, um, having people stop at the red light in front of my house. But signs are there to accomplish a purpose. And so, unlike the signs that are, are sitting in my house, or like the song from 1970 that is complaining about signs and the restriction and, and the signs... Uh, that are there to restrict us, signs are important. They give us direction. They uh, give us times where we're supposed to go a certain speed, where we should yield, that we shouldn't turn right on red, or we shouldn't touch something, or don't touch the wet paint. And 
So those signs, those labels, those directions are there for a purpose in our life. And with that purpose in our life, they're there for us to follow. They're there for our own good and for the common good of everyone around us. And as we look at the book of Malachi and we look at chapter 2, he continues with these signs that he's bringing before the Israelites that they need to be able to follow and the signage that is there for them to guide their lives. And this chapter has three different sections in it. Uh, depending on your Bible, you may see that it's broken down into three different sections. And I'm going to look at all three different sections and deal with each one in a brief way for us to understand what God is saying to the Israelites and in turn what I believe that God is really saying in a strong way to us. And when Malachi was given the word of the Lord to the Israelites, he started with those that were in spiritual leadership over them. He then started to deal with those who were family leads, talking about marriage. And then he gets into the end of the chapter, and some say this relates into chapter 3, but in the end of the, end of the chapter, and starting to talk to everyone and relate to everyone that was there. And these words are here today for us. It's for me, it's for you, it's for everyone who has called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. If we say that Jesus is our Savior from sin, we're also making the decision that we trust God to be our Lord, to be the ruler of our, our life, to be the one who guides us. And if he's the leader, the ruler, the, the guide of our lives, it would only make sense to follow the signs that he puts in place for us to follow. And 1 Peter 2.9 tells us that we are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. We're God's special possession that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. We're a chosen people of royal priesthood. These words where Malachi says to the priest, in Christianity, we are the priest. And God has anointed us to be the ones to follow him. And under Jesus Christ, we are all lifted up to the responsibility of being priests for God. It's the priesthood of all believers. And with this, I'm going to start digging in here and for us to get that understanding. What does God want to say to each and every one of us? And this first section starts to talk about where we're entrusted with knowledge. And if you want to write that down, if you're taking notes, entrusted with knowledge. It's where the priest of Malachi's day were entrusted with this knowledge where they were to provide the clear and concise direction for people to follow, the spiritual direction that people should follow day in and day out in their lives. They were given the law of God and they were to be the voice of God, bringing the law of God forward into people's lives so that they would be able to follow God in the way that he would desire and be able to worship God in the way that he would desire. I think one of the uh, more interesting stories to me about the Word of God is found in 2 Kings chapter 22. It's where King Josiah was the king and he wanted to get the temple cleaned up and he had people cleaning up the temple. And as part of their cleaning up the temple, they actually found the book of the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, the Torah, the part of our Old Testament. And they found the book of the law. Uh, part of that was interesting to me because, okay, how were they worshiping God and how were they learning about God if the book of the law was buried under the rubble in the temple. But they found the book of the law, and then Shaphan, who's a secretary, he goes to King Josiah to give him a status update of how the cleanup of, cleanup of the temple was going on. And he says 
to King Josiah, okay, this is how all the cleanup's going, we're taking care of the money, we're getting the cleanup, everything's progressing very well. Oh, and by the way, the priest gave me this book, and I'm supposed to give it to you. And in my words, it's like, oh, we found this dusty old book, maybe you should read it. And, and that was their perspective when they found the book of the law, uh, that they weren't taking what God had entrusted them with and holding it of the, in the value that they should. All of us are entrusted with the knowledge of God through God's Word, through the Bible. But dangerously, we allow it to sit on the shelf and we don't read it. And because we don't read it, we don't apply it to our lives. Now, believe it or not, there is over 5 billion, 5 billion copies of the Bible have been printed. And sadly, the reality is most of us aren't reading it. And while we're not reading it, we're being duped and misled by people who are pretending to have read it. Now, Malachi chapter 2. Malachi says, For the lips of a priest ought to preserve knowledge, because he is the messenger of the Lord Almighty, and people seek instruction from his mouth. But you have turned from the way, and by your teaching have caused many to stumble. You have violated the covenant with Levi. Malachi is calling out to those who are in leadership and calls out to everyone who is a Christian today and saying, God's word is there in front of you. Read it, understand it, apply it. And in such a way, then take that word and give it into somebody else's life in a right way, in the way that God has given it to you. God hasn't called us to let his word sit by the side and be an afterthought in our lives. He hasn't called us to take his word and twist it and distort it to, to the extent that we're the blind leading a blind into a pit, we've been entrusted with the knowledge of God's Word. I want to give you a couple of statistics, and hopefully, uh, and well, this may or may not shock you. Of those who call themselves Christians, one in five do not believe in the God of the Bible. One in five do not believe in the God of the Bible. Six out of ten Christians don't believe in the literal hell. Six out of ten Christians believe that worshiping, worshiping at home by yourself is just as valid as going to a church and worshiping with other believers and being in communion with other believers. That it's a valid alternative. Only half of Christians believe the Bible to be 100% accurate in what it teaches. Now the reality is the God of the Bible is the one and only true God. There is a literal hell, and those who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will spend eternity there. God has ordained the gathering of believers together and teaches us to not get into a habit of forsaking that gathering together. Also, the Bible is the Word of God. All 100% the Word of God. Twisting the Word of God, getting others to fall into these traps as well as it's dangerous and it's even more dangerous because it's coming from the preaching pulpits across America. And if I can get on a soapbox for just a little bit, the day of distorting God's word has to come to an end. It has to cease. Even today, I was listening to a sermon early this morning and listening to a sermon and listening to the gentleman who was preaching and he actually said, and, and I caught me and I, and I put it to my memory, he said that God, the God of the Old Testament was a God of wrath 
and punishment. But the God of the New Testament is a God of love and mercy. Now that sounds wonderful. It sounds wonderful. But the reality is the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. And the same God of the Old Testament who brought wrath and who brought justice and who brought punishment is the same God who expressed love and mercy and kindness in the Old Testament. And God did not change from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But to drive his point forward in what he wanted to teach his congregation on that morning, he delineated and said that there was a God of the Old Testament and a God of the New Testament. Twisting the truth of God. And everybody walks away and says, Oh, wasn't that wonderful? In the same sermon, the same sermon, the pastor said, Faith comes by knowing Jesus Christ. Faith comes by knowing Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if the pastor believes that or not, but Romans 10, 17 says, the faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Jesus Christ. There's a big difference between the two. Faith comes by knowing Jesus. God's word says, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. In Romans 10 17 God's Word the knowledge of God's Word continues to be twisted and we need to find ourselves focusing on God's Word reading God's Word applying God's Word to our lives and sharing God's Word with others the priest in Malachi's day were saying whatever needed to be said to make people happy and they were leading people astray and they were destroying people's lives because they weren't willing to share God's Word God has entrusted us with knowledge of him and his ways and if we choose to run right through that warning, right through that stop sign, we'll end up in a manure pit and we'll drag others into the manure pit with us. God has given us a covenant of life and peace and we can take the entrusted knowledge we have of him and live it out. Not only are we entrusted with knowledge, I'm going to jump down into the next section. We're entreated for faithfulness. Malachi verses 10 through 16 talks about faithfulness. Malachi calls them out and uses this example of a husband who is unfaithful to his wife to see the way that we find ourselves being unfaithful to God. It is pointed out to them that instead of staying with the wife of their youth, in, in the imagery that was given to them, the wife of their youth, the relationship of their youth, was God himself. He is the one who brought them out of Egypt and drew them into a covenant relationship with them. So we have this imagery that's given to us of of walking away from the wife of their youth and being unfaithful. And so again, God has entreated us, called out to us and said, be faithful to me. Do not chase after other gods. Do not chase after other things. Basically, Malachi is saying to them, hey, you got to stick with the brunette that you marry. you got to stick with the blonde that you marry. No chasing after the redhead that's across the street. And in the imagery that he's giving to them, he's saying, you found God. You found a relationship with God. Stick with God. See, it becomes no different with us than it was with the Israelites. The Israelites were chasing after gods of every little whim that they had, every little fancy that came along. If it was pleasure, they chased it. If it was self-gratification, they would chase it. If it was worshiping the gods of pagan nations, they would chase it. If it was work, they would chase it. If it was their children or their grandchildren, they would chase it. Everything in their lives, they would chase it. 
They would worship the stars and worship the planet and worship themselves. And God is calling out for them to be faithful and saying to them, stop the unfaithfulness. Please be faithful. He's entreating them to be faithful. Malachi 2.16, God says, so be on your guard and do not be unfaithful. God's word is explained to them and, and God's passion is given to them. And God's passion is given to us as well. God's word to us shows us his love and his passion for us. And with his love and his passion for us, he looks to us and says, do you love me? Do you have passion for me? Do you love me with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? Don't hold anything back. Don't let anything interfere with the relationship you have with God. Don't let anything interfere with your faithfulness to, to God. If you've ever seen the movie, The Mummy, there's a scene in The Mummy with the character Benny. Benny was a sort of a comic relief in the, the movie, The Mummy. When, when Benny has his first encounter with the mummy, he starts grabbing some necklaces that were around his neck. And if you watch the scene and you listen to the scene over and over, uh, first of all, he, he grabs onto, I believe he grabs onto a cross and he starts quoting words from Christianity. And the mummy continues to keep coming after him. And then he moves on to Islam and he starts quoting some words from Islam. And then he moves on to Buddhism and quotes some words from Buddhism. And then he actually moves on to uh, Judaism and starts quoting words in the Hebraic language and it's at that point the, the mummy uh, stops coming towards him. Benny's covering all of his bases. Benny is one who wasn't committed to God at all. He just figured, well, I'll, I'll worship every God that comes along and maybe if one of them is right everything will work out. God's not looking for us to cover our bases. God's not looking for us to be faithful to him 10% Faithful to our work, 10%. Faithful to our family, 10%. Faithful to our, to our pleasures, 10%. And go down the list of all the different things we find ourselves faithful to. God is calling to us and saying, be faithful to Him 100%. He's looking for us to be faithful to Him and only to Him. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except by me. That's very clear for me. When Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the Father except by me. I'm putting all my chips in, all the chips in on Jesus Christ, believing that he died on the cross for my sins, and then following him faithfully. Not only are we entrusted with knowledge, and we're entreated for faithfulness, called out to be faithful to God, we're also enlisted to trust in God. My last point, as we look at these last couple of verses, Verse 17 from Malachi 2. God says, You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, Now I want you to hear these words. Hear these words. This is, I believe, what the Israelites were saying. Malachi's calling them out for it. But I think it rings very true with each of us. He says, How have you wearied him, you ask? By saying, All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with them. Or, where is the God of justice? Now, there's a very obscure verse in the Bible. And I never really thought about wearying God, wearing God down. When was the last time you said, I can't believe God is letting them get away with that? When you have looked into the life of somebody else, 
looked into the evil of somebody else and said, I can't believe God is letting them go get away with that. And basically, we're waiting for God to throw the lightning bolt down. We're waiting for fire and brimstone to come down from heaven and consume them because they are evil. They, they are terrible. They are a bad person. And God says, you have wearied the Lord with your words. You have wearied the Lord with your words. There's a story in Luke 9, 54, where the Samaritans weren't welcoming Jesus. And the disciples actually go to Jesus and say, do you want us to ask God to call, out, call down fire from heaven and consume them? And consume our enemies? And Jesus said, whoa, 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 hang on, hang, hang, hang on, hang, hang on a minute. Jesus knew what it was to trust his father. Jesus knew what it was to look at someone else's life and to understand that they are not beyond repentance yet. Jesus knew what it meant to walk in trust. And he was teaching us something in there. And I believe God is teaching us something in Malachi 17 as well, that we are enlisted, we are called forth to trust in God. Who am I to question the ways of God? Who am I to determine good and bad? See, isn't it enough to know that God looked down and gave his son to die for us, to die for you and to die for me, so that we could be forgiven and given eternal life? Is that good enough for me? Is it good enough for me to know that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life? Is that good enough for me? And if that's good enough for me, then why am I looking at somebody else's life and saying, but it's not good enough for them, God. Hit them with a lightning bolt because they're a bad person and I'm not. And God's looking back at us and saying, stop wearing me. Stop wearing me out with that thought process. Trust me a little bit. Trust me. I sent my son to die on the cross for you. I poured out my love and my mercy for you. I, I poured out my grace for you. I poured out my forgiveness for you. For everything that you have done wrong. Trust me. Trust me. 1 Timothy 2.4 tells us that it is God's desire for all to be saved and come to know the truth. And we've been enlisted as those who have received the truth to trust God and trust his ways and not our ways. Jesus was saying at one point, greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. And that phrase alone is beautiful. Greater love has no man than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. What's even more beautiful is Jesus followed up those words and he said, you are my friends if you do what I command. Greater love has no man than this than he laid down his life for his friends. And he looked at his disciples, and he looks at you and he looks at me and he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. We're enlisted to trust in God, to trust in his ways and not our ways. Jesus gave his life for us. He laid it down so that we can have eternal life. We need to be careful. Let's be careful to hold on to the knowledge that God has given to us and bring it forward for others to understand as well. We need to be careful to walk in faithfulness to God.
100% to follow God with all of our heart and all our soul and all our strength, all of our mind. 100% sold out on God and to be faithful to God and God alone. We need to be careful to trust in God, to trust in His ways, and to follow Jesus Christ, do what He says as our Lord and Savior. Let's keep following God. Let's keep trusting Him. If you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we keep walking through this prophecy of the book of Malachi, Malachi chapter 2. And I know the words that you brought forth from Malachi must have really sat pretty hard with the Israelites. And in a certain way, they sit pretty hard with us as well. No one likes to be called unfaithful. Yet, Heavenly Father, there's so many ways that we're unfaithful to you. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive each and every one of us for any way that we have been unfaithful to you. May this be the day, again, that we commit ourselves to following you with everything that we have. Lord, if we have distorted your word, if we have distorted anything about you, if we have taken your word and ripped it apart and shredded it just so we can think others can come into a relationship with you through a melted down, milk toast gospel message, Lord, forgive us of that. Help us to present the gospel in its truth that Jesus Christ, your son, came, born of a virgin, lived a righteous, sinless life died on the cross for our sins, shed his blood, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, sat down at the right hand of his Father in heaven. Lord, help us to keep the gospel message clear and concise and let others know that they need to follow Jesus Christ, which means sometimes picking up our cross daily and following you. Lord, give us the strength to do it, to not distort the word of, of the Lord and to walk with that knowledge that you have given to us. Lord, help us to walk and trust in you. We're in, we're in dark times. We're in hard times, difficult times, confusing times. Lord, help us to trust in you. That we have faith in you that forsaking all others, I trust him. Faith that we are trusting you, Lord. We're trusting you for our strength. You are, we are trusting, Lord, for our healing. We're trusting Lord, you, Lord, for this coronavirus to go away. We're trusting you, Lord, to provide for us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for all you continue to do in our lives. And thank you for this opportunity to worship you this morning, to praise your name. And thank you for friends that we can talk to on the phone to continue to lift our spirits. And thank you for family that you bring around us. You're a great God, Lord. Help us to find ways to pour our heart out to you this week, to cry out to you. And help us to find ways each and every morning to wake up and refresh ourselves anew with you. Thank you for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everyone, for joining, for listening in, for watching. God bless you. May God keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. Look up on Facebook for the worship song that I, I get uploaded. I know you will be blessed. God bless.